All right, thank y'all for tuning in, Just Be Yassin. All right, today we got one of the greatest Norcom players that I've seen. And when I say this, I'm not saying it just because he played arena, played in the pros, played in another pro league, XFL. But like just from what I've seen on the standpoint of my eyes. All right, so today we got Joe Powell here today. All right, let's go back to the beginning, man. Where are you from? I'm originally from Lakewood, New Jersey, as far as being born there, but I always uh, put credit in the Portsmouth, Virginia, because, you know, I grew up there as a young, as a young kid, uh, being in that city, you know, I seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things, been around a lot of things, and um, Portsmouth is what really molded me into the man I am today. So, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I stayed in Lincoln Park a couple of years, stayed in Prentice Park, stayed out Brighton. So those really the areas in Portsmouth that I've stayed and lived in. Um, you know, it's just, you know, growing up as a kid, man, everything is, is good and peachy. You know, you don't really understand, you know, the violence that was really going on back then, like how you know now when you grow up as an adult or as a, a young teenager. And, um, you know, growing up as a kid, man, everything was good. I wasn't really into sports as far as organi organized. And, um, you know, I played, you know, a little basketball, a little uh, rec football out in the hood and stuff like that. But, you know, I was always good as far as sports. But, you know, it was cool, man. You know, grew up both parents in the household, you know, got great siblings around me. And um, it was just a fun childhood, man, you know. You mentioned that Portsmouth molded you. I always tell people, man, if you're from Portsmouth, man, Portsmouth, the way growing up, it sets you up to survive in any situation. All right. At what age did you start playing uh, football? Uh, probably about 13, 14. I say that's when I became a freshman in high school. I ain't played rec league or anything like that. And, um, I didn't play rec league or anything like that. I tried it, but, you know, um, that's when everybody was in the sports. There was a lot of people out there. You know, I, my dad tried to sign us up for the Parkview Lions one time, but if you want me to be honest, I wasn't good enough at that time. So I didn't really start playing organized football until I became a freshman in high school. That's when uh, me and my cousin had tried out for the football team. And, um, and that's how my football career started. You got to Norcom. What position did you start playing? When I got to Norcom, I played uh, wide receiver and safety. Uh, my freshman year, I really didn't play a lot. Um, you know, like, you know, during summer camp, you know, I was a starter. And then as, you know, the season went on, you know, I really wasn't the player that I thought I was because I really didn't understand the no football end as far as inside of equipment. So, you know, I was playing wide receiver and safety. And then uh, after that, uh, after my first year, I really started, like, putting in the work in the weight room on the field. And and then that's when I got better at my position and started playing more. All right, so you, you mentioned the weight room, man. Like, people don't realize how much work you got to do in the offseason. Um, right. When you started lifting weights, what did you start? Honestly, when I started lifting weights, man, 
this. It, it was me and my cousin, and he played at Norfolk too. His name Antoine Royster. Me and him used to be at my aunt um, garage. They had like a bench set in there, and all we used to do was just lift the bench set all day, every day, until we was able to like put two twenty five on the bench and able to wrap it out. And then that's when we started going to the weight room as far as with the school. And then that's really how I started lifting weights. Like, I ain't really, I really, you know, I really ain't know nothing. So it was just like, we was in there testing things out, seeing how strong we could get. And that's what, that's how I really started playing football. Like being in my aunt garage and um, just lifting those weights enough. All right, so you do that transition to, I'm assuming your um, JV varsity from that point. When did you start realizing that you were better than you thought you were? My sophomore year, uh, I was still playing JV, and uh, I was making a lot of plays, like all over the field, offense, defense, and special teams. Like I was, you know, one of the main guys on the JV team. And uh, I think it was after we played Wilson, I had quarter interception, or it was probably a punt return. And I had scored. And, uh, you know, that's when Coach Archie, you know, realized the talent that I had. And he moved me up during that season. And then, you know, that's when I started really, like, building more confidence within myself because it's like now I know that I can play with the big dogs mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a freshman year where I didn't play at all coming into a sophomore year where – I'm the guy on the JV team, and then now I'm getting moved up to varsity with the big dogs. And it was like, that's the time when uh, I, you know, me, Isaac, and uh, Justin Sullivan, we all was in the same grade, but them boys was playing varsity. So it's like, I'm up there with them. So it's like, now it's like, okay, now I got the confidence that I need. And then that's when the grind just started getting, picking up more and more. Um, one thing I like about Coach Archie will give a younger person a chance. Right. He'll give a young person a chance, man. Um, my temporary year when we got moved up to varsity, um, one thing we did was we would hope an upperclassman get tired and be like, yo, you could get my kickoff, you get my kick return, or um we'll dress out and we won't play at all. Right. But Coach Archie wasn't like that. So that goes into all right, Coach Archie is building the system, man. If you play JV majority of the time. Y'all playbook was similar to varsity. So right. when y'all got moved up, you ain't have to learn too much versus when I was playing, we didn't run nothing like varsity. You you head into your junior senior year. Junior senior year, let's talk about that. What was it like prepping for that and playing in those seasons? Well, as far as junior year, uh I think I I think I was like you, you we had a lot of talent, you know, going both ways. But receiver, we was really, like, stacked. So, receiver, I really wasn't, like, the guy or, like, the the go-to guy. You know, we had uh, Carlos, Carlos Mills, uh, Isaac, PJ. Uh, I had a couple more guys. But I was more so junior year, like, a defensive guy. Uh, in, our, in our system, you know, we call it the dog linebacker or, you know, like a hybrid safety. 
I can either go back into coverage sometimes or I'm on the line, either blitzing or going to the flats, whatever the, co the coverage is. And, you know, that's when I became a defensive wreck. You know, I I think I led the team in interceptions with five. I think I took four of them to the house. And that's when I got the nickname pick six my junior year. And then, you know, senior year, I was more so like an all-around guy when it came down to special teams, receiver, and defense. Uh, receiver, I had 13 touchdowns my senior year. And then uh, I followed the number one uh, all year. I only got scored on twice that year. Um, and I, I believe that's really how my junior year and senior year went. I had two phenomenal seasons or two phenomenal years going into my junior senior year. But, you know, we, you know, we had the, the, the goal of making it to the States. I, uh, I seen it. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately we came up short. All right. When did you start getting offers? I mean, I didn't really get any offers. So for anybody that's going to listen to this or, you know, that's going to uh, pay attention to this podcast, I didn't get any offers because of my grades. You know, I was, you know, I, I, I really didn't take into consideration that my grades is what I needed to, you know, go where I wanted to be as far as like D1 or just college period. And I had a lot of interest in my senior year. I had schools coming to, um, coming to talk to me, coming to see me and things like that. But I didn't get no offers only because, you know, most important thing is what are they, they the first question they're going to ask, what are their grades like? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the grades to even get an offer scholarship. So I had a teacher, his name was Mr. Bailey, and uh, his daddy, he coached at Virginia University of Lynchburg. That's the first college I went to. And he took down all my information and, uh, I, I guess he sent it to his father, and then like two weeks later, they sent me. A, they gave me a scholarship. Coach Bailey, um, Coach Bailey was originally at St. Paul, correct? Right. Yeah, because I remember you was in Norcom at the height of quote unquote what they were saying the games was going on. How did you? How did you manage to stay out of? either getting involved in the games or being in the wrong place, wrong time. How did you overcome that? Honestly, man, it's the sports, man. And, you know, the, the people that I hung with, you know, I've, I'm not going to say I didn't hang with a lot of people that was in the games or I was cool with a lot of people in the games. It was just, that wasn't my cup of tea, man. It was just like, I, I wanted to play football. I was running track then. Uh, I played JV basketball also around that time too. So it was like, I was always caught up in sports. So it was really like, I really didn't have no time for outside street games or anything like that. Like, that's just not nothing I wanted to do. You know, it was, I had my head on straight that I'm be strictly football or sports period because of the accomplishments that I was making. And, and that right there alone just kept me focused on staying away from the negativity. And that's really what kept me away from the streets, honestly. You go to college, first time on campus. What was it like? Honestly, man, it was like, I'm going to be totally honest, man. And like nothing against Virginia University of Lynchburg, anything like that. The first thing I said is, what is this? <laughs> like, 
our campus was literally in the middle of a neighborhood. Like you would just think it was a regular neighborhood that I was pulling up to. And it was like, I was just, I was just in disbelief. Like, this is really what I'm coming to. But at the end of the day, it's a, it was an opportunity. So, you know, I, I just took it as I'm going to just come here and do what I need to do and get out of here. But, you know, I had a couple of friends, you know, a couple of close friends that went there, Monte, uh, Nation, Chavelle, Justin, we all went there together. Blindside went there too. So it was like, I won't, you know, I was going into a situation unknown, but I was going into a situation unknown with people that I'm close with that I knew if something went wrong, they'll have my back. So that's really my first experience when I went to the campus, man. It was, it was just like, oh, like, what is this? And, you know, it, it was just after that, I was just ready to play some football, honestly. Is that an HBCU? At that time, it was independent. But, I mean, if you look at it, you could consider it as an HBCU. It was predominantly Black students, Black administration and things like that. Yeah, because, like, if you look at it, majority of HBCUs, they're founded inside the city. Like, I mean, of course, inside the city, but inside a neighborhood, right. Shaw. If it wasn't for right. dormitories, you couldn't tell that was really a school. Um, Virginia Union is inside of a hood. Um, most of these schools are in there. So you say you're ready to play football. You get there. How was the transition? My first year there was their second year as a program. So me really transitioning there, it was it was kind of smooth. Um, you know, I came in as a true freshman. I started as a freshman at wide receiver, but it was more so it was different because I was going against guys that, you know, that been to higher levels than me at that time. And it was like, me transitioning from high school to them, it was almost like I was going against grown, grown men already. And uh, it was this one dude, uh, his name, Deron Hall. He played DB. He was the best DB out there, in my opinion. And every day I went against him. And, like, I didn't have no choice but to bring my dog out going against him because he going to give me everything he got every day, all day. And that's what really, like, helped me out as a receiver, not taken away from the coach. Uh, his name Bayside. He, you know, he's from um, Virginia Beach. So it was like, it was a 757 connection love right there. And it was just like, he was a great coach. You know, we got better every day. I had, you know, I had a mentor as far as, as a receiver. His name was uh, uh, G. He from the, like the DC Maryland area, and like he was more so my mentor at, at uh, B. Well, so the transition was was cool, man. Um, you know, like we say, like coming from Portsmouth, it's tough anyway. So it was like I was in the environment that I was used to. It was just the amount of going against the guys that I was going against. Because at the end of the day, on our defense, we had dogs all over the board, safeties, corners. Everybody was good, but that one particular guy, uh, we call him D Hall, he was he was that guy. And every day I went against him and he made sure that I was on my A game no matter what. You played all four years? No, not if we will. So what happened was 
I was there for the whole year. And um, I, I went through through the uh, winter season there. I, I went through spring ball. I ran track down and everything, played spring ball. And then I left 2013 after, you know, that semester was over, you know. Um, it was just an unfortunate situation. And then um, I had left there. I was sitting out for a little bit. I went back to Portsmouth and um, – that's when uh, I found uh, ASA Junior College in um, Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started my JUCO journey. And then after that, I went to, I had left there because, you know, I, I tried out. I couldn't get my transcripts from VUL and they didn't allow me to play. So uh, me and one of my roommates, we had, well, he found the school and he told me about it. And it was in Manhattan, New York. And that's when I found Globe Tech. I went over there. I tried out for the team. I made the team. And then that's how I started playing there. All right. And and that's something that a lot of people didn't know. I know I didn't know. Right. But a lot of people didn't know that. People thought, all right, you just went to one college and then you, went, you left there. So mm -hmm. you transferred to Globe Tech. How many years left you had? After after I left Globe Tech, I would have had two two years left as far as eligibility for college. All right. So out of all your colleges, college years you played, which one was to you your best year playing? Globe Tech, because I I tried out for receiver, but I couldn't like get the offensive playbook down pat because they were running the spread offense. And, you know, Norcom Wayne never ran that. So it was like, it was so difficult for me. And um, honestly, like the DB coach, like one day I was just sitting down on the side watching them practice. And he was like, man, I need some DB that's going to come up and hit somebody and make some plays. And I was like, well, here I am. That's my opportunity right there to get on the field because, you know, at that time, that's the only thing I was thinking about, man, just getting on the field, playing some football and, you know, making my time worth it while I'm out there. And that's how I transitioned to defense. And I I had a phenomenal year, man. I had, you know, 60-plus tackles, missing the first two games, had one interception, a couple of uh, forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and things like that. All right, so after your college career, what's the next step? What's your mindset? All right, so what happened was towards, like, the end of the season, like, going into December, I was – my financial aid had ran out, being that I went to two colleges within, like, four or five months. And uh, they basically said I would have to pay out of pocket. So I had talked to my parents about it because that's when they, they were staying up in New Jersey at the time. And uh, I had talked to my parents about it. And basically they were like, well, we ain't going to be able to do it. So I said, well, I'm just going to have to leave. And during that time, it was tough because it was like, I'm trying to um, find a, another school to get back into. I tried to go back to be well, but they didn't want to accept me because, you know, the, because of my grades and things like that again. And, uh, you know, I tried to go uh, to community college and things like that. And while I'm up in New Jersey, it's like, 
I didn't have nowhere to work out, didn't have no schools that I can go to or things like that. So, you know, I started working a job with my father, but during that time, I'm just like, am I, I'm thinking to myself, am I going to ever play football again? And I was like depressed and I'm like, this might be my last time ever playing football if I stay up here. So, you know, during that time, that's when um I built a relationship with God. You know, I started praying more and, um, you know, just hoping and praying that something will work out. And then I think that spring, it was 2014, spring 2014, you know, uh, my father and my mother said, man, we're about to move back to Virginia. And then right then and there, I knew that was my opportunity to get back into football. Mm-hmm. So getting back in football, where did you start off at? Started playing semi-pro with the Virginia Beach uh, Mustangs uh, okay. 2014. Yeah, I started playing with them guys. I think uh, Julius and uh, Daquan Saunders, they had put me on with the team. And um, really, man, I just they just brought me in there. I got a jersey. I had equipment. I ain't know not one person in there but them two, for real, for real. And I think Monte. And I played the first game, and then after that, I was I was a lot ever since with those guys. You playing semi-pro. The next step is arena, correct? Yeah, in 2015. All right, let's talk about that, man, because that's a different type of football, man. One, it ain't 100 yards. Two, right. the sidelines ain't the same. Right. Um, less people on the field. Mm-hmm. Was it hard transitioning to that? Uh, not really, because, you know, um, I honestly, like, before I even started playing arena, I was scared to play arena only because of what I seen, like, do, because, you know, Julie's been playing arena, like, f- like, it was like five or six years before I even started playing arena football, so he was already established in the arena game, and, you know, he used to show me all his highlights and things, I used to see how he used to, how he used to go over the wall, like, getting hit over the wall, catching touchdowns, hitting backflips over the wall. And I'm like, man, there's no way I'm about to go through that. But I just said, at one point, I just said, man, that's that's probably my only opportunity at this point to play any type of football, professional football. So when I, um, you know, Julius had contacted one of my coaches with the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks. He told him, bring me up for a trial. A couple of us went out for a trial. And um, during that trial, I went and played receiver for that whole trial. And then, you know, all summer, I'm training for receiver. And the day I got there, you know, I went up to the facility to go check it out with one of the owners. And he was like, well, uh, I don't know if you know, but you're going to be playing defensive back. And I looked at him like, you, you got to be kidding me. Because this whole time, y'all sending me offensive you know, playbooks, and uh, the, now I'm coming in here, y'all say I'm playing defense, but I'm like, all right. In my mind, I'm saying, well, if this going to be the way I'm going to start, then I'm going to do it. So the transition was really, like, kind of smooth because all summer, you know, I was with Julius learning the game. And um, at the end of the day, man, it's, as far as the, at that level, you know, I didn't know nothing about the game as far as defensively. So I was just out there just playing off of all natural talent and abilities. And my mindset was, man, the ball in the air, 
If the ball in the air, I'm going to just have to go get the ball no matter where it's at. So that's really the, the transition, man. It really wasn't like as hard as I think it was going to be. It's honestly, it was easier because for one, it's a smaller field. For two, they throw the ball 99% of the time. And, and for three, my mindset was whenever the ball in the air, I'm going to go get it because at the end of the day, I was a natural receiver. So that's really – it was a smooth transition for me. Tell us how was it getting that call that the NFL wanted you? Oh, man. Uh, honestly, uh, like after that season – I had um got connected with a, a agent. His name Brad Berkowitz, and he's still my agent to this day. And you know we've been we've been getting it in for the past five six years. And you know when I first sent him my highlight tape and things like that, he has sent it to every CFL, AFL, and NFL team. And it was like I sent it to him in the morning, like. Later on, about five or six o'clock, he had called me back and said, I got two AFL offers for you right now. And I was going to go. And then somehow, you know, it got rejected or whatnot. But once I got, I had got to Cleveland and I was playing because I was getting NFL interest after from that highlight tape. But, you know, they like, well, he's not really going to get good talent. I want to see him get good talent. And then when I got to Cleveland, you know, my first two games, I had four picks, two to the house. And that's when I had got invited to the Eagles rookie minicamp. So when I got invited there, I, it was like, I don't know what to expect. It was just an unbelievable moment. I'm like, am I like really here or like, like, what is it like? And then it was like, when I got there, it was, it was all love, you know, it was a great humbling experience. And then it was like, what really blew my mind was I was with the with the first group in the rookie minicamp. And I'm like, I'm out there with Jalen Mills. I'm out there with with going against uh Carson Wentz. So it's like I'm in a I'm in a spot where I'm like, damn, this this really like unbelievable. So man, to actually like make it and you know all the, the grind that I put in all the time and all the struggle that I had to go through the sacrifice I had to make man it was just it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders man it was just a humbling experience man it was great man who was the let's say your five hardest receiver that you <laughs> had to guard uh well oh that's easy Odell oh, Beckham Sterling on Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Marquise Goodwin, and uh, Robert Woods. Throughout the time, how many years collectively would you say you was in the NFL? Maybe like a year and a half. Yeah, I was in there from, you know, 2016 to the last preseason game of 2017, like a year and a half. So when that happened, once you left there, did you go back to arena? Yeah, I did. Once I once I left, uh, once I got released from Buffalo, yeah, I, I had uh, got signed to the Baltimore Brigade in 2018. 
All right, well, that was like, was your spirit still still high, or was it like you kind of hurt because now you was playing at the highest level, then you kind of dropped down? Like, did you have a chip on your shoulder when you went back to playing? Yeah, I'm all, I always got a chip on my shoulder only because I know the type of player that I am. But it wasn't like, you know, I was coming down, like, you know, being cocky or anything like that. It was just, you know, I wanted to just, you know, play some football and try to get back to where I was. And, um, you know, it's it was just really humbling being that, you know, at one point you, you at the top where you feel like you untouchable and then, you know, you get knocked back down a couple of notches, but it was it wasn't really like, you know, I I ain't going there all cocky and oh, I'm I'm this guy that guy because you know it's everybody been to the league before like you know majority of the guys been to the league in the AFL so it was like man, you you just a a person that's trying to get back to where you want to be so no nah, it really wasn't like you know like I wanted to come in there all cocky and stuff you know but. I'm always going to have a chip on my shoulder no matter what. Even now, I still have a chip on my shoulder. So I say, yeah, I always going to have the, the, the chip, but, you know, it was, just, it was just humbling more than anything. They start this new franchise, this new sports, and people gravitated to it, man. Me personally, I watched it. I felt like it was the new, improved XFL. Um, it was actually more entertaining than the NFL. For the time, mm-hmm. how how was it when you got the call? All right, we starting the XFL. Like, did you believe it was gonna go through? Did you believe that it was gonna continue? Did you think it was gonna crash as soon as you it crashed? Nah, but we gotta take it back a little bit though. So after my first year in Baltimore, the AAF had made you know the AAF had made a league, and um. You know, I had the, I had tried out for that team in Birmingham, and uh, you know, I had made that team, got cut the first week, went back the first week of the uh, first seat, uh, first game of the season, and you know, I played the rest of that year, and then that's when we had got, um, and that's when we had got shut down due to. Due to the owner, you know, I don't know what was going on as far as financial and things like that, but the owner somehow just wanted to take everything and go about his business. And then that's when I had to go back to Baltimore again. But after that one, after that, after that last season of Baltimore, that's when, you know, the XFL was, that's when the XFL was in talks. And, you know, you know, a lot of, most of the time, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, they were doing tryouts and, you know, invitational and things like that. But I'm like, I wasn't going to no trial because for one, I'm still in season with uh, Arena. And then it was like, I mean, my name should speak for itself. So that's really my, that was my thing with the XFL. But really the thing, the thing that was most exciting about that was that I got drafted to, you know, the, St. Louis Battlehawks. That's what was the most exciting thing because I was sitting in here laying on my couch just watching the draft, seeing where everybody was going. And then once my name got called, I felt like, man, I was, I felt like I just got drafted to the NFL or something like that. But just hearing your name just in a draft board, period, man, mm-hmm. that, man, that, that's exciting, bro. So it was like, 
when I got to the XFL, man, I man, it was just it's time for me to put on for you know for my city and for me and my family. With the, with the draft, is is it like the NFL? Like you say, you sitting at home. Do they give you the phone call? Hey, we gonna choose you with the next pick, or was it literally surprising? Man, it was surprising because I'm just laying there, and you know, I got a couple guys that I was playing with in the AL, and you know. I'm seeing all their names, man, being called. And it's crazy because one of my one of my close friends to this day that I played with in Birmingham, his name Trevon Reed, he had got drafted two picks before me. And I had, and you know, the team, you know, he got drafted to St. Louis, and I'm like, and we just all joking about it and whatnot. And then I'm just laying there, and all of a sudden, I hear St. Louis Battle Hall choose Joe Powell, and I'm like, Hold on, am I tripping? You know, I ain't get no call, no nothing before that. So I'm like, wow, I just got I just got drafted. And then like five minutes later, that's when my coaches called me and they um, you know, tell me, yeah, we signed you and we are welcoming you to the St. Louis Battle Hall, something like that, man. And honestly, bro, that was like one of the most exciting days of my football career. All right, so without a doubt, we know the grind. We know from high school to college to JUCO to semi-pro arena, NFL arena to the XFL. Let's talk about this history-making touchdown. Right. <laughs> uh, first, did you know that you was the first one to ever return the kick and what was going through your mind when they say, yo, we're going to do this play to you scoring? Uh, I mean, at the moment, as far as in the new XFL, I knew ain't nobody scored because at, at the end of the day with those rules, you know, it's hard to score uh, on that kick return. And then, you know, we in a special teams meeting and then Cope like, Joe Powell got something special for you. And I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Because I was a special team captain, so I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. So when he pulled up the play and he said, we're going to run in reverse, first thing in my mind, I'm going to score. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just coming from arena, and, like, the last six or seven games, I scored on kick return. So it was like, this ain't nothing new to me. I'm used to having the ball in my hand. I'm used to, I'm used to returning kicks. So it's like I look at the the style of of play from XFL is almost like arena. As soon as you get the ball, you got guys in your face. So me in my mind all week, I'm like, I'm telling myself, bro, I'm going to score on this kick return. A lot of people were joking and laughing and like, man, you ain't going to all that extra stuff. And honestly, bro, it was. Like, you know, a lot of people joked about it, but honestly, bro, it was two people other than me that believed that I was going to score. Again, Trevon Reed, and then, y'all, you probably know the name of my coach, Chris Crocker. You know, he's from Deep Creek. He, they the only two that really believed that I was going to score, but I'm like, I already know I'm going to score because, for one, I believe in myself. For two, I know what I can do with the ball in my hands. So, once we got the play called in the game, Man, my heart was beating so fast. And I'm like, well, this is your moment. And then once I got the ball, man, it was just, for one, it was great blocking in front of me. And after that, once I got past the first dude, that was green grass. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to 
hold my head straight and just run as fast as I can to get to that end zone. Uh, did you have a planned celebration before that you was going to do? No, I didn't. No, I really didn't, man. You know, I'm, I'm not really the celebrating type, honestly. I really, what I really wanted to do, I was going to hit the gritty. And, you know, the, the, a lot of people ain't know nothing about the gritty before, you know, Justin Jefferson started doing it. But I had a homeboy that, um, from Birmingham, you know, him and the gritty dude, they like, like brothers like they blood so it was like he was doing it like way before anybody even knew about it so of course i was doing it because that's my dog so I, that's what i had in my mind but once i got to the end zone it was like everybody was jumping on my head and my <laughs> leg was like super dead so it was like man at this point man, i just want to get to the sideline honestly but i was, it was just exciting because you know you could hit like the crowd was just going crazy. I'm talking about everybody ran from the bench to on the field. So it was just a surreal moment, honestly. Yeah, I, I remember watching it. And I was like, he about to go. Oh, he gone. Oh, he gone. And I think it was like one more person that you end up beating. And I was like, oh, yeah. he gone. And of course, you know, you know, one thing about us from Portsmouth, next thing you know on Facebook, all you see is, celebrate i mean touchdown repost mm -hmm. share 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 so man um what would be some advice that you would give the youngins who want to pursue the professional career uh first and foremost man you gotta you gotta make sure your your discipline you gotta make sure man you you really like Take care of yourself, man. You you obey your parents, man. No matter what's going on, man. You be respectful to your parents. You be respectful to all adults, cause you never know who's watching. You never know who you're gonna run across. You never know who you're gonna meet. And man, you you just gotta make sure, man. You you up to par as far as man. If you want high school, college, anything, you on your grades because at the end of the day, it ain't guaranteed that you're gonna make it to the pros. It ain't guaranteed you're going to play football forever or it ain't guaranteed you're going to play football longer than three years. You know what I'm saying? So you got to make sure at the end of the day, you have something that you can fall back on, not just focus on football at all times. But as far as for, for football or athlete standpoint, man, you just got to make sure, man, you on your grind daily, taking care of your body, taking care of your mental. You got to make sure you got the right people around you. You can't you can't have yes men around you all the time, and you gotta have people that's gonna be able to get on you and tell you no. You gotta be able to take constructive criticism, just criticism in general, no matter how old or how young somebody is. You gotta make sure that if someone is telling you the right thing, man, you, you gotta make sure you be able to take heave and you know follow suit. But I mean, it's really man, you just gotta stay on your grind. No matter, no matter what's going on, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have to handle adversity. It's, it's just a lot that's in the real world that you're going to have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with as a kid because, you know, you always had your parents and your back corner. But once you get into that real world, it's, it's you. And when you're back against the wall, it's all about how you can fight it off. So, I mean, as far as, you know, that's, that's really the advice that I got, man. You just... 
your grind is is everything, no matter what you're doing. So with that being said, with the model that I live by, you got to separate yourself no matter what you're doing. If it's football, if it's daily life, if it's, you know, you working the nine to five, you, you want to make sure you're the best at what you're doing, no matter what it is. I'm going to tell you this before we head out. You need to get with Willie and you need to start a documentary on your on your journey. Because you got a journey that a lot of people may not have no or need to know. It ain't just you go to high school, you go to college, you go to the pros. You have a story, you have a message to a lot of these kids who need to hear. Right. All right, man. Thank y'all for tuning in. Just BSing.